taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Proverbs, chapter 3. It reads, uh, please stand up for the reading of the word of God. My son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Please and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We'll continue our series in the book of Proverbs. And today I want to speak to you on the subject of tasting heaven on earth. Don't you want to taste heaven now? Do we have to wait till we get to heaven before we really taste of the glory of heaven? Well, not entirely. We're not, we don't really fully know what heaven's going to be like until we get there. But I believe we can taste some of heaven on earth in the midst of all the trials of the earth. That's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10 really tells us about. So let's just read some of these beloved verses in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And read verse 6 with me. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Let's pray. Father God, today our hearts are heavy with the trial this world is in. We've come through the time of pestilence. And now we're in this time of wars and rumors of wars. We're truly in the last times with pestilence, wars, rumors of wars. And dear God, we do pray that You would put an end to this war in Ukraine, to the evil of Mr. Putin, but he smelled weakness in the world. Have mercy on us, O God, to be strong to evil. And have mercy. We don't want to see anyone. It breaks our hearts to see anyone die. Innocents in Ukraine. Soldiers of Ukraine or even Russian soldiers. They're all eternal souls. Have mercy on us, O God, in this world so full of war and bloodshed. Yet we want to taste heaven. We want to taste heaven now. And may our church be like your garden today. That you can come down and find the fragrance of love. 
as was brought out to us in the Scripture verse, that we would love one another. Come down, Lord. Fill us with Your love because we don't have it in us. May You find in us, Your church, a garden of joy. The fruit of joy would be in our midst. Fill us with joy and peace and goodness. And Lord, if there be any wickedness in this garden today, root it out and change us. If there's bitter fruits in this garden, Lord, when You come down and visit with us, You're visiting with us right now, O oh God. Your Holy Spirit is here to touch and convict and draw and move. Lord, we want to taste You. We want to experience You today, O oh God. Through the name of Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, come down, Lord Jesus. You walk in the midst of Your church. If there's any hatred here, if there's any bitterness against another brother or sister here, root it out, Lord. Give us Your peace. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, the first statement of Proverbs 3 is, My son, forget not my law. So, since we've probably forgotten what I preached last week, I said, let me remind you. So, we looked at Proverbs 2 last week, and our theme was how to have God's protection in Proverbs chapter 2. And we said we must desire God's wisdom. And then discover the fear of God and then depend on His deliverance. And we, we've emphasized as well the first four verses of chapter 2. Remember the verbs there of, of hearing the Word of God and letting those words come into our ears and then, it, and then they come into the heart. They move from the ear, the Word, to the heart and then cry out with your voice. So the progression was... Take the Word in. Let the Word come where? Into your heart. When the Word is in your heart, it comes out of your mouth. And then, so He says, hear My wisdom. Let My wisdom come into your heart. And then cry out of your mouth for that wisdom. And then seek for wisdom with all your heart and life. Put your whole body into it. So may we have God's protection through His wisdom on the pathway of life. And today I... We're going to go further now into the book of Proverbs. We're calling this book God's Wisdom Handbook. We want to go further. And so let me ask you this question. How many of you would like a satisfying life? A fulfilled life? A truly abundant life? A taste of heaven on earth? How many would like that? Alright. That's what we can have. From Proverbs chapter 3. Tasting heaven on earth. These Proverbs promise a lot. What we're going to look at. These first ten verses, we're going to take them as a unit. And I'll show you why in a moment. Each one, you could preach five sermons from this, but we're going to try to take them as a unit, verses one through ten. And I'm going to say it right here. These Proverbs promise a lot. The question is, do they promise too much? <laughs> I mean, is it really even possible to experience the fullness of these promises? We're going to answer that question. And when I say they promise a lot, it's because this world has some deep sorrows to it. I don't know if you noticed one of our prayer letters that was sent out this week by our missionary in Cambodia, Forrest McPhail. He sent a two-part prayer letter. 
longest prayer letter he ever sent. One was like three pages and one was four pages. But he said, I've got to share this with you. If you get that email from Hillary, please take, a, take 15 minutes and read. A lifetime of ministry experience is in those prayer letters. What's happened over many years of ministry is in those prayer letters. It's very, very profound. And it really relates to the message I'm saying today. Because can we taste heaven on earth when you're like this man named P-U-E-K. I'll call him P-U-E-K. I don't know how to say Pook. Pook. I'll call him Pook. About ten years ago, Pook and his wife Prum lost their three-year-old son. His name was Simeon. Right around that time, Pook's father-in-law and Forrest, our missionary, had been telling us about these people and we were praying for. We were praying for Prum, that's the wife of Pook, his father-in-law who had gone in and out of drinking, in and out of drinking for many years. And then finally, toward the end of his life, his father-in-law, his name was A-U-N, Aun, really got right with God. And then, but shortly after that, he passed away, about ten years ago. The father-in-law passed away. Right around that time, his three-year-old son also died. About ten years ago. So it's been ten years since Aaron had died, so the church thought we should have a memorial service for him. So they had a memorial service for this man, Aaron, this man in and out of alcohol, but got saved and really delivered from it toward the end of his life. They had another memorial service for him. They had a, a precious time. Five days after that service, Pook's new three-year-old son died in an accident. He just fell, it seems, and he instantly died. His second three-year-old son to pass away. Imagine if that's your reality. Life, is, life can be so devastating, can it? So, he, he tells the story of this of his son. His name was Isaac. And I, I don't know why they called him Isaac, but I thought that was significant because they had a three-year-old son die. Maybe they had another son. They called him Isaac. And what does Isaac mean? It means laughter. Maybe they said, this son will bring us joy after the death of Simeon. Now Isaac, this beautiful, this beautiful little boy, died just like that. So this is the funeral procession in the, in the truck. They had a procession. And then they brought little Isaac to the grave. So, I ask this question. As we're going to look at these promises in Proverbs 3, do they promise too much? Now, let's just kind of look at a quick overview of this passage in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 is divinely divided into three sections. Each section begins with, My Son. So we see them in verse 1, My son, forget not thy law. We see also down in verse 11, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. And verse 21, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. So we have to see God's divine construction of these chapters. This is His Word. 
And they're just not haphazard. These, these early chapters of Proverbs are not sentence Proverbs that have no, one having no relation to another. So, this is divided into three sections. And then Proverbs 3 begins with five admonitions. Five things we're admonished to do. And they focus on our loving God. And then the end of this chapter, there are five prohibitions, beginning down in verse 27. And then look at verse 28, for example. He says, say not to your neighbor. And then verse 29, devise not. And verse 30 is strive not, envy not. And so there's prohibitions. And they relate to loving our neighbor. So isn't that interesting? That's how God put this chapter together. Three divisions. Each one begins with my son. The first division begins with five admonitions that focus us on loving who? God. And then they finish with us loving, with prohib- uh, having prohibitions and loving our neighbor. Okay, so that's, that's how this chapter is constructed. Now, let's look at, at verse 1 through 10. What I want you to just quickly notice here is there are five couplets in, this, in these ten verses. Each couplet is, is, are two verses. So the even, the, I'm sorry, the odd numbered verses here, the odd number verses tell of our human obligation. They outline godly character. The odd verses. Verse one, my son, forget not thy law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So that's the admonition. And then the even numbered verses give us divine promises and show the outcome of obedience to those Admonitions. Okay, so are you with me? Odd verses are obligation. Even verses, the blessings and the promises related to obedience. So these are the promises related to the obligations. And I believe that this is how we can taste heaven on earth. So we can be excited to, to what, what, what's, what do I have to do to taste that heaven on earth? What's my obligation? And what does God promise for me to taste a little bit of heaven on earth? And I believe this is practical to all of us because we all crave a life where we're satisfied. A life where we're fulfilled. A life where we feel abundance. And so let's look at, uh, so we're going to walk through these five couplets and see our obligation and then the outcome of that. And then we're going to ask that, we're going to answer that question. Are these Proverbs promising too much? So the first couplet is simply this, that we need to have a heart obedience to God. That will result in a long life of peace. That's the promise. So our obligation is to what? Obey God. Obey God from where? The heart. The only way we can really live for God is out of our heart. And we need a new heart to do this. We need to be born again. We need a regenerated heart. But here he says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So we need to have a heart obedience to God. And then, what does it result in? He says, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. A long life of peace. You see, the writer of Proverbs is telling us how God's world works. He's the Creator. And He put us here as His creation. 
And so basically, the one who's created us is saying, this is how the world works. And if you want a long life of peace, obey my word from out of your heart. So the fact is, if you buy something, you have to follow the owner's instruction manual to get the best use of that thing that you buy, right? You buy a car, what are you going to put in the gas tank? Sugar? Flour? Oh, I don't put gas in my car. I'm smart. I put sugar in it. Oh, your car isn't going to run. You're not doing things according to the manufacturer's guidelines. So we need to follow God's admonitions. For these promises are grounded on the moral order of God's creation and the way things work. And he says if we keep his commandments, the promises, you'll have long days. Now, how many of you would like to have long days? How many of you like to live a long life? That's the promise. You'll have a long life. And the promise is you'll have a long life with peace. How many of you would like to have a long life with peace? Now, remember my question. Are these Proverbs promising too much? But that's the promise. God said it. He says, for length of days and long life and peace shall be added to thee. This is heaven on earth. (laughs) To have peace. Perfect peace. Sounds like heaven to me. I'd like that on earth. I can have it. What can have it? The second couplet, verses 3 and 4. And I summarize it this way. The writer is telling us, God is telling us to embrace God's grace and that will result in grace. If you receive grace, embrace the grace of God, you will have grace. Let me read the text again. He says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. So when I say embrace God's grace, what's grace? Mercy and truth. That's what God wants to give to us. He says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So you got your admonition there? Don't forsake what? Mercy or truth. What are you supposed to do with it? What are you supposed to do with it? He says, bind it on your neck. Now you, some of you ladies wear a necklace to make yourself beautiful. A pretty necklace. But maybe in that necklace is a, a locket of something. Maybe a, some people wear a necklace and inside that necklace is a picture of a loved one. They don't want to forget that loved one. So here he's saying, bind mercy and truth around your neck so you don't lose them. And then he says, write them upon the table of thine heart. So you don't what? When... How many of you have a date book? I still put my weekly calendar on paper. I I don't put it on my computer yet. I still have one of those, you know, date books. But if I write it down, guess what? I don't forget it. If I don't write it down, guess what happens? Oh, man, I forgot. I forgot to do that because I didn't write it down. You know, God did give us a pen and a paper still. I still like that. But, you know, however you do it. But he says here, write them upon not just your date book, but write them where? In your heart. So you'll remember God's grace, His mercy. What is His mercy? His forgiveness. His mercy is Jesus Christ, 
who died on the cross for our sins. Remember His mercy. Bind them on your neck. Do not let His mercy go. Don't lose His mercy out of your life. And write them upon your heart so you never forget the love of Jesus Christ and how He died for you to keep you out of hell. On the, he died on the cross to save us from our sins. Deliver us from hell. Gives us forgiveness. And truth, that is His faithfulness. He's trustworthy. Do not lose His mercy and truth. Let them not forsake thee. Bind them on your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. And again, I say His mercy and truth is just kind of like the grace of God through Jesus Christ and how He died for, on, for us on the cross in love and in truth and faithfulness. He rose again from the dead because He said He is the Savior of the world. So bind them. Do not lose them. Write them. You do not forget them. Write them in your heart. Have you ever written something on your hand? So you remember. People do that sometimes. They write. I don't write on my hand. I don't want to get the ink into my bloodstream, you know. But, <laughs> but people write stuff on their hand. It's okay. You can do it. But he says, don't write it on your hand. Write this in your heart. Don't forget. Don't lose him. And what's the promise? The promise is you will live a life of grace, both before God and man. Verse 4 says, so shalt thou find favor. And that word is grace. So shalt thou find favor or grace and good understanding, not only in the sight of God, but in man's sight. That's the promise. If you bind mercy and truth. Remember, what came by Jesus Christ? John chapter 1 says, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I believe that's a real similarity here. If you live these things out, you will find favor in, in the sight of man and God. That sounds like heaven on earth. I'll find favor. I'll find grace in God's sight. I can live in the grace of God. Amen? I can live day by day. God's not mad at me. I don't have to live with guilt. I don't have to live in fear. I can live knowing that God has received me through Jesus and He loves me. God loves you. You can live each day knowing that. It's beautiful. You, that's tasting heaven on earth. Joseph found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he found grace in the eyes of his prison keepers. Here's the verse as well. By mercy and truth. This mercy and truth is coupled together in Proverbs 16, verse 6. Not verse 16. It should be Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Isn't that something? Let these not forsake thee. Because this is how iniquity is purged. Again, that reminds me of grace. Doesn't it remind you of Jesus? What He did for us on the cross? By His mercy, His love, and His truth, His faithfulness to do what He said He was going to do, died on the cross, took our sins, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So embrace God's mercy and truth. This will result in grace. And it reminds us of Joseph, who received grace in the eyes of the Lord, and then he, received, he found favor in the sight of Potiphar, remember? And when he was in prison, he received favor from men. And look at chapter t- Luke chapter 2. Go to Luke, please. Chapter 2. Look at verse 52. And look at Jesus. This verse describes the youth of Jesus 
Before his earthly ministry began, what a beautiful verse of Jesus, who is wisdom. And notice what it says of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. If you have it, say amen and we'll read it out loud together. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. You got it? Let's read it together. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Wow. He put God's mercy and truth in his heart. And it says right there, he, he lived and experienced exactly what the Proverbs writer said he would. He would receive favor from God and man. Because he is mercy and truth. So, you know what heaven is going to be? Living in the grace of God. Living in the presence of God. Experience His grace 24 hours a day, never ceasing. Living in His grace and having great relationships in heaven. Can you imagine in heaven, I'm never going to have a fight with you. You're never going to disagree. I'm never going to say something. You say, oh, pastor, I don't agree with that. You know? You're going to agree with everything I say. And I'll be right, too, all the time. Not, I'm not always right now. Okay. We're never going to have a conflict in heaven. Amen? There's going to be this perfect... We're going to find favor with each other because we're going to have favor with God. That's heaven. In heaven, there's going to be perfect relationships with God and man. And we can taste heaven now. As we put grace and truth into our life. And then the third thing is trusting God gives direction. Trusting God results in direction. So here's a, this is a well-known passage here. He says, trust in the Lord. With all thine heart. So how much are we to trust in the Lord? Halfway. Live for Jesus with half your heart and you'll live a wonderful Christian life. Ah, no, wrong. Love Jesus with what? All your heart. He says, trust in the Lord with all, entirely. That's the admonition. Last week I I said, be a God chaser. Today, let me encourage you, be a God truster. Trust. Chase after Him. Seek Him, know Him, and then trust Him. Trust means to lie helpless, face down on your face. Throw yourself on your face. Cast yourself before the Lord and wait on Him. Trust Him entirely. He says, lean not unto thine own understanding. Trust Him exclusively. You know, a lot of people read the Bible and they say, no, that can't be true. Oh yeah, it's true. It's true. Say, well, I don't don't think that's the way it should be. It doesn't matter what you think. This is the Word of God. We need to submit our lives. And and our human flesh is not going to want to submit to everything that's in the Bible. But God's Word is true. This is the way things actually are. And God is God. And He will be God for all eternity. We need to submit exclusively. Don't lean on your own understanding, your own wisdom. Mm. That's what our culture's done. Throwing out God's Word. They're relying on their own wisdom today. You lean on your own wisdom and understanding That's like saying, I'm going to go on a cruise. And you know what the cruise ship is? It's a paper ship. Don't lean, don't go on a cruise in a paper ship. Make sure it's a solid boat. Or how about this? Oh, you want to take a helicopter ride over New York? I'll ride the helicopter. I'll pilot it. Don't trust me to drive the helicopter. Edgar, we went one time. 
Years ago on my birthday, Ed, Edgar took me on a helicopter ride. I was scared to death. They always crash in the movies, you know. But Edgar wasn't riding the helicopter, so I said, maybe I'm... And I wasn't riding the helicopter. Maybe I'm... I said, we survived. But trust in the Lord. Don't rely upon your own understanding. And then trust in the Lord exhaustively. Entirely. Exclusively. Exhaustively. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. I heard a message on this. I went... To Madison Avenue Baptist Church, actually. It was the Saturday night before I was going to start our first church in Brooklyn in 1984. And the preacher preached from this passage. And I'll never forget the sermon. 1984. That was a long time ago. But I know my wife remembers it too. And Because he, he taught us a song. I can't remember the song. What was the song again, hon? It was... Acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths in all thy ways. Acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Is that it? In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. You want me to sing that again? I wouldn't do that, no. <laughs> that would be like torture. Okay. But, but this is what He said. And it helped me. He said, we get so busy doing God's job which is figuring out our path, that we don't do what we're supposed to do, which is to trust Him entirely, exclusively, and exhaustively, and acknowledge Him in every way of our life. That's our job. And it's His job to direct our path. And we often get so busy figuring out God's job, we don't do our job. That helped me. I hope it will help you. But you know what heaven is going to be like? Being led by the Lord. Directed by the Lord perfectly in His path. He even says it in Revelation chapter 7 that He's going to lead us to the, to, the, to the still waters. In Revelation chapter 7, He's going to lead us to the fountain of living waters. In heaven, God is going to direct us every day. And it will be a perfect direction. That's heaven on earth when God directs. Okay, the fourth thing is walk in God's fear. Don't be wise in your own eyes. I like that. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. You know what that means? Never think you're the smartest person in the room. Put down your pride. Don't be proud. And then he says, depart from evil. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. So we need to walk in God's fear. And what's the result of that? What's the result of walking in God's fear according to this? It says, you shall be in health. It shall be in health. Literally medicine. That's medicine for our soul. And, and marrow to your bones. Health to your navel. I like that. <laughs> navel. We all got a belly button, right? I remember when I was little, my aunt would, we would go to the beach and my aunt would say, do you have an innie or an outie? Well, when we were thin, we had innies, but when we get fat, we get outies, you know? In other words, our belly button sticks out. So, anyway, I never said that before. I don't know why I said that. You ever hear that illustration? No, that was a new one. Okay. But, you know, think about your navel. Like, you know, what's, what, what, is your, what was attached to your navel when you, were, when you were growing? Your umbilical cord. And so, literally, everything you needed to grow in your mother's womb and for you to be in health, in your mother's womb. And there's life in the womb right here. 
in your navel, everything that you need flowed through the umbilical cord through your navel. And so he's saying, everything you need for real health in this life is to don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. We talk about the fear of God is be afraid of letting anything get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the most important person in your life. And don't let anyone get in the way of Him and you. And then, depart from any evil. And He says, you'll have health. Medicine. Now, because of sin in this world, we're just a bunch of sick people on the road to death. And there's a lot of illnesses that beset us, and a lot of illnesses especially beset people because of their sinful decisions. You'll get, chances are you'll get sick, sicker and die sooner if you sin. If you smoke cigarettes, for example, people are even dying, by the way. Well, I quit cigarettes and I, what's that new thing though? Vape. People are dying from that too. Alcohol and drugs, we know, takes people's lives, snuffs them out. We know that even bitterness and anger and emotional sins on the inside that people can't see, fear, guilt, cause physical illnesses. And obviously, sexually transmitted diseases. The writer of Proverbs is later going to tell us that sexual sin can consume your flesh and your body. And we, we know that also. So walking in God's fear... Definitely you will have a better chance of living a long life. I knew when I got saved, I said, you know what, I'm going to be healthier just because I quit cigarettes and drugs and alcohol and things like that. But what really causes death ultimately is sin. And what's the death rate of sin? If you sin, what's the chance you're going to die? What's the death rate? A hundred percent. We should be afraid to do what then? Sin. Because when you sin, you die. 100%. (laughs) Now, of course, we're living through this pandemic. And I'm not saying it's not real, and I'm not saying we shouldn't take it serious. We should. It's been a very serious time. But I will say this, and I, I hope you understand what I'm about to say, but this world has been much more afraid of a virus in order to protect themselves from the virus with the masks and the the isolation and the separation and the shutdowns and the vaccines and all these things so we don't get the virus. Okay, fine, we don't want to get the virus. But what I'm saying is this world is a lot more afraid of a virus than they are of sin, than Christians are often of sin. Christian, we have to wake up and we need to not sin against God. And we will live a greater life of health. That's the promise. And in heaven, guess what we're going to have? Perfect health. This is taste in heaven on earth. We could have health now. Is it promising too much? Oh, okay, we'll get there. Just a second. One more to go. And then I'll deal with the last few minutes on that question. So the, the last couplet is giving to God's work results in prosperity. He says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty. Your presses shall burst out with new wines. So he says, honor God 
with your possessions. Put God first because God gave you the strength to gain that income. Give Him back a portion of praise to Him. Don't be, first of all, concerned with how full your bank account is, whether you could get a multi-million dollar portfolio, whether you could buy rental properties in the land of the free. That would be Florida. Just kidding, just kidding, come on. Okay. Florida or, or Spain, beautiful Spain. Buy a rental property in Spain, oh, and rent it out to the, all of the, the people who, through Airbnb or whatever. And I'm going to get rich. Okay, get rich, but honor the Lord first. And don't think just having a multi-million dollar portfolio makes you successful. It doesn't, because you're going to die and leave it all behind. Giving to God's work does result in prosperity. That's what this passage is saying. Honor the Lord with your substance, and your barns will be filled with plenty. Say, well, I don't have barns. You got a refrigerator (laughs) and a a cooler, you know, a freezer. God will provide for you. Your barns will be filled, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, there's going to be an abundance as you seek God first and give to His work. So those are the five couplets. But now I want to answer this question. Do these Proverbs promise too much? Now, some say they do. Some say these Proverbs promise so much, they're not even promises. They'll say, and they'll even question, are these promises? Now, ask yourself, are these things promises that we've just looked at? In other words, the promise of long life. Does everyone live a long life, even who's godly? Hmm. The promise of prosperity. Even people who are really spiritually minded, seeking, serving God, are they all prosperous? So are these these Proverbs promising too much? Some say, yes, they are. Therefore, they're not promises. They're probabilities. They're general principles. Um, That's actually the terminology I got out of, of commentaries that I read. They're general principles that might happen to some people some of the time, but not to all of us all of the time. So they're really not promises, is what some people answer. But I I come back and say, well, what about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? I have heard that verse quoted. You've heard it quoted. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge. He will direct your path. How have you always heard that quoted? As a probability, as something that like might happen, or something that's a promise? It's a promise. So if that verse in the middle of these admonitions and promises is a promise, is the first one a promise too that you'll have long life? Is the last one a promise that you'll be prosperous? Or how about that fourth one, that you'll you'll live a healthy life? So is one a promise and not another? And then I ask, well, am I to obey the admonitions perfectly? So God says, do this now. Okay, God says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And so I say, yes, Lord. I've, I've lived in the fear of you my whole life. And then all of a sudden, cancer. Inoperable. Stage four. You're going to die in a month. Has it happened? What's up with that promise? If it's a promise... 
So I ask, am I to obey the admonitions perfectly and then God only keeps his obligations imperfectly? (laughs) That couldn't be. Wait a minute. No, that can't be. Because I'm not more faithful than God. God is way more faithful than I am, right? But the, the thing is this, is that these promises to many people are detached from reality. Like the story I told you at the beginning of the message of the little three-year-old boys. Two little three-year-old boys who died in terrible accidents from one couple. They have to live with that. And what if they were to hear a message like this? They say, well, I've tried that and it didn't work for me. You know, and they, they might just, they, they said, this is detached from my reality. And in our world of, of pandemic and war and accidents... Are these actual promises we can claim of long life, of health, of prosperity? I knew a missionary named David Brainerd. Have you ever studied the life of David Brainerd in the 1600s, even before the founding of this country? He, he went to the American Indians in New Jersey when the, the Native Americans were there in New Jersey bringing the gospel to them. He had tuberculosis. He would get on his horse and ride on his horse and literally be coughing up blood in the snow. And then he would pray in the snow and he would pray such red hot prayers the snow around him would melt. His heart was so burdened for the Indians. And he gave his life to bring the gospel to them. Died before he was 30 years old. So I put on one side the five couplets. And again I'm asking, are these, so what do you think? Are these promises or are they just something that might happen? What's the answer to this? So my, my answer is to this is, are these Proverbs promises or probabilities? Are these things that just might happen if you're really good and might not happen if you're, you know, just under really good? But they won't happen to everyone all the time, even if they are good. I mean, how do we deal with this? I say, these are promises. That's what I believe. They're not probabilities. They're going to happen. So I ask you this question. Could these promises be perfectly fulfilled in another life? In another world? Actually, fully, eternally experienced in heaven? And I say, yes. Yes. Because physical death for us is not the end. Now look at these verses. Look in verse 2 where he says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Length of days. Long life. How long will your life be in heaven? (laughs) Everlasting life. You know this chapter speaks about heaven as well in the middle of the chapter. Look what's what's referenced in verse 18. Not not heaven, but a a sinless place. What's referenced in verse 18? What's, what's referenced there? You could talk to me. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden before there was sin. And there's a tree of life in heaven. So there's like a heavenly taste to this chapter. Now look at the end of, look at the last verse. It says, the wise shall inherit what? Glory. It's talking about heaven there. Shame shall be the promotion of fools. Let me ask you, if you were to die today, where would you go to spend eternity? Will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? It says the wise, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have repented of sin 
and turned to Jesus and believed He's the Savior of the world. He died for me. He rose again from the dead. Whereas I was a sinner worthy of death, Jesus took my place. That's the wise. That's the wise we're talking about. Because Jesus is wisdom. They'll inherit glory. Now, here's another verse. I have it up on the screen. To, prove, to show you that what I believe the writer is talking about and these promises are not just for this life. What are we told about this life? No matter what, even if you live 90 years, life is still short. Because I guarantee you, when you're 90 years old, you're going to say, wow, that went fast. I can guarantee you you're going to say that because I'm 63 and I'm saying it right now, you know. And I only got a few more years left. Yeah, right? Hey, well, at least two-thirds of my life is gone, at least. That's okay. I'm not, it's life here, but I'm going to live heaven in heaven forever. I got a lot to, we have a lot to look forward to, beloved. But he says, in the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. That's in the Proverbs. So when he talks about long life, I believe he's talking about the life that knows no death. That's the life Jesus Christ said. I've come to give you life and eternal life and abundant life. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. In Jesus Christ, I have good news for you. We don't die. <laughs> we, live, we, get, we go from here to heaven alive. Alive transport. And we don't have to trust an Uber driver to take us. We're going to have chariots of fire. Amen? So, you say, well, okay, then why obey these admonitions then? If they're not for now, if I put my all to serving God now, and I might get cancer, or I put all, my all to serve God now, I might lose my job and become poor. You might. So why should you follow Him now? Because this is God's way. This is, God, this is how God has ordered His world. And the best path forward for us to experience the promise of these verses now is to obey the commands now. Did you hear what I just said? The best way for us to experience the promise of health, of prosperity, of long life, of having God direct our paths. That's what we're talking about. Of experiencing grace. The best path forward to experience the promises is to obey God by the power of His Holy Spirit. And what's the reality? In this world, we have to deal with... First of all, we have, to, we have two big problems. The problem of what? What does it say up on the screen? Indwelling sin. Because we can look at all of these these points of obedience, but do we ever, does any of us obey God perfectly in any of them? No. We're all sinners. We don't obey God fully from the heart all the time. We don't embrace God's grace fully the way we ought to. We don't trust Him with all our heart, you know? I mean, we, we, we fall short. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So our own obedience is erratic and inconsistent, and we groan. You know, when you're a believer, you want to obey God, and sometimes we groan in ourselves. And the Holy Spirit, we say, Oh, Holy Spirit of God, help me to deal with this present evil world, to obey You and follow You, and not go in the way of the flesh. And we groan in this world that has fallen. This world is so broken as well. As we've mentioned, and we're living through it. They're sinful people. They can hurt us. 
there's war that can destroy us. And we don't know what's going to happen next. So because of our own sin nature, indwelling sin, and the curse of sin that is all around us, these promises are not fully experienced in this life. And in fact, in the Proverbs itself, it's interesting, he tells us and, uh, about this, that the world is broken, we're born in sin, and sometimes believers have only a little with righteousness, right? Sometimes the writer of Proverbs says, better is a little with righteousness. So sometimes you're not going to be as rich as someone else. But if you have righteousness, you're what? You're rich. Thank you, Joe. You're right with me. And then sometimes you'll, you'll, you're not going to have a filet mignon at Peter Luger's. You're going to eat a, a dry morsel. I saw somebody eating a chicken McNugget today. I said, do you know what that is? That's a dry morsel. It's in the Bible. <laughs> So sometimes we eat dry morsels and not filet mignons. So, and, and some people are poor. Some people experience tragedy. It even says in Proverbs, you guys like McNuggets, don't you? I had a McNugget last Sunday at the radio. I said, can I have that? They had a whole big box of McNuggets. And I said, may I have one? I, just, I didn't even ask for, for them to say yes. I just took one. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I took, that, I took one bite of that McNugget and that was more than enough. And I, I had to come back and confess. I said, I couldn't finish the other half of the McNugget. I, I, it, was, it was a dry morsel. Okay. <laughs> but he says, but it says in Proverbs, the righteous fall down seven times and get up again. So just because you do these things, it doesn't mean you're not going to have trials in this world because we all have to deal with indwelling sin and we're living in a world that's broken and fallen and things don't work the way God made them because sin has entered the world. So here's what we need to do. <laughs> and we'll be done soon. We need to do what? Look to Jesus. Because He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And what did they do to Him? Did Jesus live a long life? Huh? No. Did Jesus live a, a, a materially prosperous life? What did Jesus die with? What was His material things? The clothes on His back. And they stole and they gambled for them. But I guarantee you this, there was none truly richer than Jesus Christ. Because Better is a little with righteousness than to have a whole lot of stuff and lose your soul and die and go to hell. And it says, look in Hebrews chapter 12. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. I say look to Jesus now. He didn't experience so-called peaceful times on earth. They took Him. They beat Him. They punched Him. They blindfolded Him. They, they, they mocked Him. They spit in His face. Can, can, that is like some of, one of the most humiliating things to think of being spat at in the face, to being blindfolded and say, yeah, who's punching you right now? Cat of nine tails shredding his back. He, Hebrews chapter 12 says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God. Consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. Guess where that verse is? Proverbs 3. (laughs) Look to Jesus. Because I guarantee you right now, He is experiencing the fullness of these promises. He is peace. And He is life. He is grace. And He's dwelling in grace. He is... He followed the perfect direction of the Father and now His name is above every name. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. So I say, as we close, there's a lot of Abel's in this life. You know, a lot of Abel's in this life. And I believe that's why God put it so early in the Bible. Because there are a lot of Abel's in this world. In other words, righteous people. People who have faith in God. People who obey God. And they don't, they don't fully experience these things in this life. Abel got cut off as a young man, right? He was killed by Cain. And yet he had embraced God's grace and he had trusted God. But his life ended in death. He didn't experience that health. He died young. And he, from what we know, he, you know he, he died as a young man. So did Abel get shortchanged of this promise? I say to you, no. Because he, he's in the presence of the Lord right now, experiencing all these promises and all those Abel's of this life who may have had to deal with this, the curse of sin in this world in a more severe way than someone else. They're going to experience all these promises of God for all eternity. These promises will happen. For all eternity. Because Jesus Christ has died on the cross and He's removed the curse of sin from this world. Sin is defeated through Jesus Christ. And one day, all sin will be put down. And the devil will be cast into the lake of fire. And we will be in heaven where there will be only perfect peace. And we will see His face. And we will walk in a long life of peace and experience the fullness of His grace. And we will walk in the beauty of His direction, have perfect health and prosperity forever and ever. Hallelujah. So, beloved, lean not on your own understanding. Yield your ways and live for Jesus. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, thank You for your mercy to us and your patience with us. Forgive us, Lord, that we're often wise in our own eyes. We want to play God, directing our own way. Help us to be trusters in you, O God. Chase after you and trust in you. Help us to be God chasers and God trusters. How many of you say, Pastor Matt, if I were to die today, I know through the, by faith in Jesus Christ, through His love of saving me, of regenerating me, giving me the Holy Spirit, I've been saved. I know by His grace I'm on my way to heaven. And I thank Him for that. 
Praise God. Can I see your hand today? Just put it up and say, thank you, Lord. Just give God praise that you're his child. You're going to be with him for all eternity. Heaven isn't a fable. It's, it's not something we have made up. This is the truth. Heaven is as real as earth. It's a real place. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. Some of you could not put your hands up. And I'd just like to pray for you if there's anyone here today. Say, Pastor Matt, I'm not sure if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. But I want to know. Pray for me, Pastor, today that I could be saved. Is there anyone like that? Just put your hand up. I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone? Father, thank you for this day, Lord. God, I pray that you'll help us to taste heaven on earth. Help us to be obedient, Lord, to your word from our heart, embracing your grace, trusting you, walking in your fear, giving to your work, tasting heaven on earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.